0: Good morning, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter 15 together again this morning. Verses 22 to the end of chapter 15. So that'll be uh, verses 22 through 35. And I want to talk with you guys this morning and teach on the source of unity in the church, the true source of unity in the church. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask His blessing uh, on our time together in the Word. Father, we are so very grateful. For this Lord's day. We could never thank you enough that in your wisdom and in your kindness and in your grace you've given us this day. We could also never thank you enough for giving us your word. God, we are so blessed. There are literally people around the world that do not have the Bible in their heart language, no access to your word. But here we are, we we sit here with a copy of the word in our hands or a copy of the word on our tablets or on our phones or a copy of the word in the pew before us. God, we are so blessed. So we say thank you for your word and giving it to us this morning. And then we also thank you for your spirit. We thank you, God, for giving us the spirit to live within us, to lead God and to direct us. So my prayer today is very simply, you call someone from darkness to light today, that you strengthen the faith of your people today, that you open our eyes to see the truth, that you open our hearts to receive what's being shared from your word, Father, that you Help us to not only receive that, but your spirit empowers us to apply it to our lives. God, I pray that you unify us together as a body the right way. Help us to maintain unity as a body the right way. So we love you and we praise you and we thank you, God. And I echo finally what was prayed a second ago, Lord. I do pray for help for myself. And Lord, we pray that you bless this moment in time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we come to our passage of scripture this morning, if you remember where we are at in this whole story of the book of Acts, is we have studied specifically recently. Uh, the, the, The Jerusalem Council. And the need for the apostles and the elders at the Church of Jerusalem to settle a very serious matter, which is how would the Gentiles be saved? Or how are the Gentiles saved? As you know, there were some that had come in and began to teach that in order for the Gentiles to come to faith in Christ, they basically had to have two conversions, if you will. First, they needed to convert to Judaism. And then second, they needed to to convert to Christ in order to be saved. And we've seen slowly, very slowly and steadily and methodically how the apostles and the elders came to the answer that no, they did not. The Gentiles did not need to become Jews first. Instead, the Gentiles, like all people, are saved by Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And we waded through how they gave them, or they thought through rather, things that the Gentiles needed to consider as far as living for the spiritual good of another person. And what all that would look like there in Acts 15. And so when we come to verses 22 and following, what we now find before us is the apostles and the elders of the church in Jerusalem take the decision that they've made, write that down in a letter, and send that back to the believers in Antioch and the surrounding area. So my aim this morning is very simple in the time that I have remaining, which is for us to look at what the true source of unity is in the local church. And then I want to show you, if time allows, um, the evidences of this unity when the true source of unity is is established and unity that flows out of this true source is established, the evidences of that unity. So look with me at verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and elders to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden Than these requirements that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of God. Of the Lord with many others also. You know, when you read this passage of Scripture, just a simple reading of the passage, just simply thinking through what we read, one of the things that should jump off the pages of the Scriptures to us is this strong theme or this strong emphasis on unity. It's all throughout these verses. Through the words that are used to describe the relationship between the brothers in the church at Jerusalem and the brothers of the church at Antioch. Between the way that Paul describes how they're all in one accord and how they've come to this decision together. One of the things that we see in these verses very clearly is that these people, our brothers and sisters in Christ that have gone before us, were unified together. And we should think about that. We should ask ourselves this question. Why would that be the case? Why would they be so unified? Why would they be so unified and together and in a one accord? Like, how did this happen? How did they go from a people that were troubled and a people that were struggling and a people that were disunified because of false teaching? Those false teachers and those false teachers. That false doctrine that they brought in in regards to salvation had unsettled these Christians, had troubled them deep in their hearts, and so we have to think about it. Hmm. How did they go from that point to where they are in the text, where they're unified in the faith? It's a good question. I want you to look with me at verse twenty-eight. Because our answer is found in verse 28. Paul said, excuse me, the letter that James and the elders sent say, for it has seemed good to who? To the Holy Spirit. It's easy to read over that, is it not? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to... Us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. What is or what do the elders at the Church of Jerusalem do? Who do they say was a part of this whole decision making process? Who was leading and who was guiding and who was defending and who was protecting and who was helping them in this whole journey? What does the text say? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that's producing unity among these believers. The Holy Spirit is the one that's led. The Holy Spirit's the one that's guided. The Holy Spirit is the one that has helped them all along through this process. And it's as if in this moment in time, the apostles and the elders and the the church of Jerusalem are very simply saying we want to give praise and we want to give glory and we want to give honor to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this moment in time. That's what they are acknowledging. They are saying that we did not come to this decision on our own. It's not that we downloaded something or it's not that we, we got some cliff notes from another church. It's, it's not that we're operating in our own wisdom. It's not that we're operating in our own gifts and talents. But we want you to know that yes, the Lord has gifted us. And yes, we've thought through this. And yes, we've gone to the scriptures. But all of this was done underneath the leadership and the lordship of the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit guided and spirit directed decision. This is a spirit led, a spirit guided and spirit directed uh, ministry that's coming out of the Holy Spirit in the life of these believers. So why is this so significant? Well, it lets us know again that the early church wasn't walking in their own strength. They weren't walking in their own power. They weren't doing their own thing, but they were living in submission to the Holy Spirit's leadership and the Holy Spirit's guidance. Now, if we do this, If we strive to submit to the Lordship of Christ and we strive to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, does that mean that there won't be conflict in a local church? Well, the answer to that question is a resounding no. Just because we're all striving to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ and just because we're all striving to keep in step with the Spirit and live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit it does not mean that there may not be or there won't be. In fact, there will be conflict that arises within a local church. We see it before us right here, right now, do we not? That's the whole occasion by which we are discussing this to begin with, because there have been some that had come in and said, wait a minute. No, the Gentiles are not saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. They have to do something else. And so the question for every local church is going to be not only how are we going to live when there is no conflict. <clears throat> but what are we going to do when there is? Where are we going to go and what are we going to turn to and how are we going to behave and how are we going to conduct ourselves and who are we going to submit ourselves to to walk us through this process In daily submission to his leadership and guidance. Does that make sense? This is so important. I told you that this moment in Acts 15. Is probably one of the most important moments. In in the life of the early church. Not only is it important that this. That this conflict emerged. Because it settled once and for all. That salvation was by grace through faith in Christ. For Jew and Gentile alike. But it also sets before us as an example in the 21st century local church, in Everglades Baptist Church, how we need to pursue answers to conflicts that come our way. And so when they say here in verse 28, yes, we've met. Yes, we've talked. Yes, we've discussed. And yes, we referred to the scripture in Amos 9. Let's not forget that. But we also want to acknowledge who was leading us and guiding us every step of the way. And it was the Spirit of God. This is important. I wonder for just a second to step back and just for you to think, do you see the Spirit's guiding in your life? Every moment of every day in good seasons and bad seasons and easy seasons and hard seasons, do you see the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's worth pondering. So, I want us to think, probably with just the amount of time we have left, and we'll look at evidences of unity later, I want us to consider this source of unity because it's super important for every local church to understand this. So I want you to think about this with me. A healthy church understands that the Spirit of God is the true source of unity as He leads us in truth. This is not a popularity contest, brothers and sisters. It's the Spirit of God as He takes the Word of God. It helps us understand, He illuminates our hearts and He illuminates our minds and He helps us understand how to apply it both individually and collectively as a body of believers that helps us become unified and helps us maintain unity of the faith. Not only doctrinally, but in the way that we relate to one another. Amen? I want you to think about that. It's very, very important what I just said, that it's the spirit of God as he takes the word of God, as he ministers to our hearts, as he leads us and guides us and directs us and defends us and protects us and indwells us. in all of the things that the spirit of God has agreed to do in the covenant of redemption. He's the true source of unity. And he helps us be unified collectively together, both doctrinally and relationally. We must be unified doctrinally. We must all pull in the same direction doctrinally. That's so very important. But it is equally as important to also be, to, be, to also be united relationally. And what guides our relationships is not popular opinion or not worldly thought or not worldly philosophy or not self-help books. But it's the truth of God's word that when the Bible tells me to forgive, I forgive. When the Bible tells me not to be to not grumble, I don't grumble. When the Bible tells me not to complain, I don't complain. When the Bible tells me to bear one another's burdens, I bear one another's burdens. All those one another passages flow from truth. And the spirit of God has to empower us and to help us overcome our flesh and to apply those to our lives not once not twice but continually you see what i'm trying to say do you understand that that apart from the spirit of god working in us and through us and taking the truth and applying it to us we will be a cold church regardless of how orthodox our beliefs are It's both and, not either or. But we do need to get the sequence right. It's the Spirit of God changing our heart, bringing us to salvation, making us new day by day, and then uniting us in Christ, uniting us with Christ, uniting us together in Christ, and then we pursue Christ together. You can go to John 16 and find in verses 13 and 14, very simply, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to do a couple of things that are very important. One of those is he would guide us and lead us into truth. And another thing that he would do is he would, he would exalt Christ. That's what John 16, 13 and 14 said. say. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit's ministry would be for his people. He would lead us in truth. He would guide us in truth. He would direct us in truth. He would bring to our remembrance the things that he's taught. And then he would exalt Christ. A healthy church is a Christ centered church where Jesus is Lord and Jesus is head and submits themselves to the lordship of Christ and the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. This is so important. And the, the church in Jerusalem models for us how to do this and how to navigate conflict. You talk through it. You go to the Scriptures. You wrestle through it. You pray and you fast and you think and you discuss and you come to a decision dependent on the Holy Spirit. And when you look back, you say the same thing they said in verse 28. It was good to the Holy Spirit to lead us in this direction. Brothers and sisters, don't sleep. I know it's cloudy. I know it's raining. I know it's early. I know we probably are groggy, but don't sleep on this truth, please. Everglades existence depends upon the Holy Spirit's kindness and grace and mercy to us. And it, and it depends on how we're responding to his leadership. And it, and it, it depends on our, our response to the word of God. This is what matters. This is the crux of what matters in the local church. Our sensitivity to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, hear me say this carefully. We, as Reformed Baptists, we have to be very careful that we don't overcorrect to the point that we devalue the Holy Spirit. Yes, there have been people that have taught wrongly on the Holy Spirit. Yes, there are people that still teach, wrong, teach wrongly on the Holy Spirit. And if we're not careful to distance ourselves from the wrong views of the Holy Spirit, if we're not careful, we'll overcorrect to the point where we don't emphasize the Spirit's leadership in the local church enough. And what they are helping us see here, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is we need the Holy Spirit's leading. We need the Holy Spirit's guidance. And we need the Holy Spirit's direction we need the Holy Spirit to unite us. We need the Holy Spirit to keep us united. We need the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and apply it to us. We look at this decision and we're like, man, the wisdom, the fact that they told these believers, were are able to think through clearly. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And they were able to wade through the law and all of the things that we've talked about. I'm not going to go back through that. And every sticky point they were able to navigate and talk through and come down on the fact that love God, love others. Don't put a stumbling block in front of other people. Live in a way that you're not putting your rights in front of someone else. Practice accommodation. Living for the spiritual good of others, even if it means you stop doing something or you start doing something because that helps another brother in Christ or another sister in Christ. What wisdom, what discernment, what an amazing display of godly leadership. And it would be so easy to say, man, look at James go, look at Peter go, look at Paul go, look at look at these guys. No. The importance of verse 28 is they're basically saying, don't look at us, look at God. The leading and the guiding and the direction of everything that we are experiencing is simply because of the Holy Spirit's leadership in our church I asked you a minute ago do you see the Holy Spirit's leading in your life I need to ask a follow-up question do I not do you see the Holy Spirit's leading in our church family now I get it, hindsight's always twenty-twenty. Sometimes looking back, we see the Holy Spirit's leadership more than we do in the moments. But if we are submitted to Christ, submitted to the Word, submitted to the Spirit, striving to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, as Paul says in Galatians 5, <clears throat> knowing that we need to stay in the Word We can trust in the moment that the Spirit of God is leading, guiding, and directing us. My goodness, is that a new covenant reality or what? That's exactly what the prophet said in the new covenant. Did he he not? In Jeremiah and Ezekiel, I will cause you to walk in my ways. I will cause you to be obedient. Why? Because I'm going to give you a new heart and a new life and new eyes and new ears I'm going to make you new, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. I'm going to give you my spirit and he's going to cause you to walk in my ways. That's the promise of the new covenant, brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful thing. So we should be able to see the leading of the Lord God in our lives individually and see the leading of the Lord God in our lives as a church family collectively. And we have to trust the Lord in the moment, day by day, moment by moment, minute by minute, that, God, you are guiding my steps. That's what the writer of Proverbs said. Help me not lean into my own understanding, but help me to trust you with all of my heart. It's not about a feeling. It's not about some sensational something. It's about a confident hope in the God who's given us his spirit and his work that he leads and he guides his people. And he'll lead and guide our church. I don't know about you, but that's what I, I think that's what we need more than anything. Joe Beeky said this. He says, wherever we encounter the grace of Christ, we find the power of the Spirit. The quintessence of Christ's kingdom is the dynamic activity of the Holy Spirit. Whenever we pray, thy kingdom come, we are asking the Father to work by the word and the spirit. From regeneration to resurrection, all that is Christ for us is of God, the spirit. From beginning to end. We need to remember, brothers and sisters, we have a triune God. Three gods in one, or excuse me, one God in three persons that have each undertook a different role in the covenant of redemption to secure our salvation. We could go to the Second London Confession in chapter 26, section 5. Our framers said, In exercising the authority entrusted to him, the Lord Jesus, through the ministry of his word by his spirit, calls to himself out of the world those who are given to him by his father. Section 6 says, The members of these churches are saints by calling, visibly displaying and demonstrating in and by their profession and life their obedience to the call of Christ. They willingly agree to live together according to Christ's instructions, giving themselves to the Lord and to one another by the will of God with the stated purpose of following the ordinances of the gospel. Our forefathers saw this. Those who've gone before us in the faith have seen this. The scriptures testify to this. True unity will not be found apart from the Spirit and the Word. My goodness, could we not go to John 4? Whenever we talk about worship, we love to go to John 4, do we not? Did Jesus not say it super clear? The true worshipers worship how? In spirit and in truth. is not a practical application of worship, walking in unity together as a local body of believers and fellowship and harmony and unity together this is why we're warned against false teachers and false teaching because they bring chaos and confusion and disunity to the body of christ this is why we're warned in ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 to not grieve the holy spirit this is why we're warned in first thessalonians five, nineteen, not to quench the holy spirit we need to be very careful my brothers and sisters now, I'm going to take the remaining time and go through this very quickly. The true source of our unity is the Holy Spirit, and it's evidenced by a couple of things. Look back at the text with me. I've already mentioned this evidence by their understanding of the gospel, and I want you to notice verse 22. The unity that's there, the apostles, the elders, and the church. Who did they send? Paul and Barnabas and some people from their church as well. Judas and Silas in 22. Look at 23, how they began the letter. The brothers to the brothers. These brothers that they were writing to were not Jewish. They were Gentile, and they called these Gentiles what? Brothers. There is a family term that's used. Saying everything that Eric read in Ephesians chapter 2 that this wall of division, that this wall of hostility, that the temple marked out, that the Gentiles could go no further, has been destroyed and torn down, and we're now all one in Christ. So they are unified in their understanding of the gospel, they're unified in their family relationship. They are unified around accommodation. I mentioned that a minute ago, but that's what they're talking about when they say, do this, do this, do this, don't do this. I've talked about that before. They are unified around treating each other the right way. They're also unified by going the extra mile. Verse 27, notice it. Who did they send? I already mentioned it. But they sent Judas and they sent Silas. Did they need to send Judas? Did they need to send Silas? Did they really need to send a letter? No, they didn't. But out of of neighbor love, they did. They went the extra mile. Think about that. Judas went the extra mile. Silas went the extra mile. And when you look at that verse, when you look at verse 27, notice what it says in the letter. Who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of mouth. In other words, we're sending this letter. We want you to read it. And then we're sending you these brothers to explain our heart to you. It's a beautiful thing. They're united together. Now, notice verse 30. They are. Excuse me, verse 31. They rejoice when the letter is read. They're encouraged when the letter is read. Verse 32, they're strengthened through the ministry of Judas and Silas. And then look at verse 33. This is a beautiful verse. After they spent some time, they were sent off in what? That's completely different than what they had been experiencing since Paul and Barnabas had left them early in Acts 15. Because of the false teachers there wasn't peace in the church. But because of godly leaders and because of godly wisdom and because of the Holy Spirit's ministry, what was once confusing and what was once conflicted and was once chaos and was once unsettled on the inside of these believers' heart, it's not that way anymore. That's what the Spirit of God does. That's what the word of God does. That's what the gospel does. It unites us and it brings us peace. Do you see the evidence? Do you see the fruit? It's a beautiful thing. And that's not all infomercial. But wait, there's more. Verse 35. (laughs) Paul and Barnabas remain. And what do they do? They teach and preach the what? The word of God. These people are unified in truth. They're unified in the gospel. They're unified as family. They're united. They're unified as an accommodation. They are unified because people went the extra mile for them. They're strengthened in their faith. It's really awesome. Let me close with this. Jim, I thought about you when I read this because of what God put in your heart for the month of missions. A brother pastor said this. Good counsel. If you long to build God's church, God's way, you must let God's spirit lead. This calls for continual prayer and fasting. And spiritual pursuit. It's powerful. Prayer fasting, spiritual pursuit, and I think we should rightly add, walking in the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this truth of your word. We thank you for what you've taught us this morning. It's so easy, it's so easy to read over verse 28 and, and not see the Holy Spirit's leadership there. Father, it would be so easy for us to look at Everglades and just say, wow, this person or that person or this or that or this circumstance or that. No, we can only rightly say what the apostles said in that moment about our own body of believers. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit to lead us in this direction. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, God. We pray. We pray, we pray, we pray that you help us not drift. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to stand to your feet as we worship the Lord through song.